Good to see you. How are you doing? All right. How are you doing, man? Yeah, good. Glad you're back. <laughs> Lots to talk about. Uh, allegedly. No. Yeah, allegedly. It's always a good word, isn't it? I mean, there's uh, there's a lot to talk about in regards to JFK, and it seems to be the, the, the story in conspiracy theory circles that just will not go away. It seems mm -hmm. to gain more and more momentum, and obviously this latest story has really played into that. Maybe you can just tell us a little bit about who Paul Landis is, for those who don't know. Uh, Paul Landis is on the detail in 1963, November 22nd. He had just transferred over from not long before. He kind of was the babysitter, Secret Service guy. Not to, not necessarily a bad job, but he took care of the kids. I think he took care of Eisenhower's kids before that, in the presidency before. He got promoted to be part of um, Jack, um, Jackie Kennedy's team, along with Clint Hill. So he and Clint Hill were Jackie's agents. And then other agents were with JFK. He was on the car that day, along with Clint Hill. Um, I think Clint Hill actually was behind. I, I, I don't remember the, the layout. But anyway, they were all there that day. Famously, Clint Hill is the one who dove over the hood and covered Jackie Kennedy when the assassination happened. And the new claim is that he, in fact, is the one who happened to see the magic bullet, it's referred to as. It's um, a piece of evidence called uh, 399. It's a bullet. If you ever look at it, it looks almost fully intact, um, mm -hmm. you know, pristine condition. Uh, let me see here. I can actually share that if you wanted to bring it up. I don't know if you have control. But that bullet has been controversial for a long time because this bullet looks like it was fired into a tank. Now, a standard ballistics tank, when the police are testing, they'll take a, a gun, fire the bullet into a water tank. The bullet's not messed up, really. Well, I, I, I appreciate you brought that up. Uh, I, I'll leave it to our wonderful producer, Ash, to decide whether he can no bring that in, because I'm not to be trusted with these toys, basically. <laughs> um, for sure, but I mean, the, I, the reason being that that bullet is so pristine uh, it seems kind of unlikely to many people doesn't it that mm -hmm. that could be in that form after something so emphatic had happened and i don't know how much you know about ballistics and things like that but how common is it to find a bullet that's been used in in, in a murder or been shot in that condition at the scene of a crime extraordinarily rare i mean right. it, it, especially when it supposedly goes through two people in multiple points and then winds up, oh, it's fine. It's sitting there. That you know, there's bone, there's tissue, there, there there's a lot involved. And he his claim is that he picked up the bullet uh, off the back there's a part where the back seat is connected to the convertible air area, you know, where it goes up in the car. So just behind the back seat. Yeah, see, this is the bullet. I mean, does that look like a a bullet that has been through the ringer. You've probably seen crime shows, things like that. And most bullets look like squished mushrooms yeah. when you're done, or they're in fragments. And this supposedly is the one that went through Connolly, went through Kennedy, and that's always been a problem because it just miraculously showed up on not Kennedy's stretcher, but Connolly's stretcher. So that's another problem. How did it go from Kennedy's stretcher to Connolly's stretcher? Oh, maybe they just rolled off. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, what makes Paul Landis's account that's just been reported 
it, you know, worthy of our attention is the fact that he was right there in the thick of it. He's a key player uh, in many ways that various other people who are pine on this or have theories aren't. Now, to me, just giving it the basic sniff test, what I appear to be looking at is a man in his late 80s uh, who's not mentioned this publicly or on record anywhere in six <laughs> decades since Kennedy was shot, which all of a sudden immediately throws up a few red flags in terms of his credibility, his memory, uh, etc. What What's your perception of his claims? I, I think they're dubious. And the main reason is the guy who's going around with him, um, James Robinault, you may be familiar with him. I think he might have been on a show, um, the Sean Atwood show earlier. I don't know. But he kind of came out of nowhere and made these claims. I think it was in Vanity Fair that nobody has considered the possibility that a Secret Service agent might have picked up the bullet intact and set it on a stretcher. Except for, I have a recording I could play right now of a neighbor of Sam Kenny, Secret Service agent, who literally, oh, let me just play it. But then he told me something. It kind of is going to close the case on a 50-year-old mystery where the bullet CE399 came from and how it got there. That's the bullet was on, found on the stretcher. Uh, Parkland Memorial Hospital, and Sam had found this while cleaning up the car and going through the presidential car, and he just picked it up and laid it on that stretcher. Never said a word. And then we got all done, you know. He says, uh, you, you can tell this stuff. And I said, okay, I'll tell it. If you want it out there, I'll tell it. He says, but I think you better wait until I die. <laughs> I said, okay. I said, I hope it isn't any time soon. I thought the 50th anniversary was a good time to, to tell this because he wanted it told. There you go. So you tell me. Same story, different agent, 50th anniversary instead of 60th anniversary. There's more that we cover in our episode, and it gets pretty deep into a lot of the players, but um, I think that right there should throw a little water on the story. The problem opinion. we have now, Eric, is you've just cracked the whole thing within six minutes of our conversation. <laughs> so I suppose, like, you know, seen any good movies? I, I don't know, man, you know. <laughs> well, something I read interesting, that I thought was interesting, the BBC reporting on this, and it's something I've heard numerous times before, but a lot of people will point the finger at the JFK assassination and say that mm. that's what really began the big American distrust in government. I mean, what mm -hmm. what's your perception of that claim? Absolutely. And by the way, you, you say conspiracy theory, right? Uh, the, term, yes. the term conspiracy theory was created by the CIA to attack Mark Lane, who was writing about the JFK assassination. Is that true? Because I, yes. I have heard this. And I, can, um, seen... I can come up with a memo if you want. Didn't <laughs> didn't Snopes do a deep dive on this or something and, and said, actually, Snopes, it's... Snopes, yeah. really? Snopes, really? Like, you, you could do a deep dive on Snopes. And I, I, I don't <laughs> want to go into, um, I don't know, what is it? When you who deep dives the deep person. divers? That's the problem we've got, isn't well, it? Yeah, who, who fact checks the fact checkers? But there, there are some real problems with Snopes. Yeah. And if you go through a lot of fact checks, I, I know you're a critical thinking guy, right? How many times have you read a fact check? And as you read down the fact check, you get to fourth paragraph, you're like, wait a minute. They're saying mixed. This literally right here is agreeing with the original premise. Or it says false. 
and then they agree with the uh, original premise. Uh, a good example is um, such and such was said uh, to fill in the blank, and they'll say, this is false. That was never said on Saturday. It was on Sunday. And yeah. that'll be in the fourth paragraph. So a lot there there is a case, and I agree with it, just because there are conspiracy theories doesn't mean everything's a conspiracy theory. There are I do think there is like okay. so where I am on conspiracy theories, I think obviously people do attempt to carry out conspiracies and injustices and, and try and get away with all sorts of nebulous things, large and small. Um However, I also think it's a way of thinking. I think a lot of time people uh, fail to initiate a sort of Occam's razor approach mm -hmm. to things and think there must be four or five levels to something. When on the face of it, life isn't often that complicated. So, I mean, w where are you on, on JFK? I mean, I, I tend to accept the Warren report. Um, I'm open to details being off, obviously, uh, but this idea that maybe yeah. Lee Harvey Oswald wasn't behind it, or he was some sort of patsy, or he was a secondary or third shooter. Where, where mm. do you fall on the details? Oh, I'm completely on the opposite end of that. So, other ones we probably agree. Like uh, James Earl Ray, he shot Martin Luther King. Totally believe it. Now, another one you and I probably go at, at each other on, I don't know, is uh, I believe RFK was not assassinated by Sirhan Sirhan. That's another conversation. He did shoot other people that were in the room, including the person who led his way to probation. Now, the JFK thing, this is a hard one. I mean, I've got an entire series going with my partner, who is far deeper into it than I know. He's written with Oliver Stone. But the facts on that case are so overwhelmingly problematic. It's not just inconsistencies or, um, I, I forgot what uh, Michael Schirmer said, but, you know, chasing little de things that are wrong. God, God, it, I would have thought Michael Shermer would have probably have said something like God of the gaps. Um, it, it wasn't that, but he was something else he said, whatever. But the, the information is so voluminous that it's like, okay, well, you got to read 200 books to even catch up with everything that's going on. There's so many characters, so many players, so much going on. But just little things that throw things off, like uh, – how is it they found Lee Harvey Oswald's wallet on the scene, but then they also got his wallet in person when they arrested him? And over and over, those are big problems. Like, if you were going to be doing a criminal case right now, these are giant holes. How did he get from Tippett to the theater, to you know, from the school book depository to Tippett to the theater in a faster time than Roger Bannister can run it? That's hard to, you know, I mean, it's really difficult to do it. And they go over with witnesses that they intimidate, and they say, oh, Lee Harvey Oswald was here. He was here. He was here, right? All the way to the point of actually torturing a, a worker in Mexico. This has all been released in the doc, you know, the assassination documents. And it goes on and on and on. And it, it's actually kind of exhausting to go through every consistent or inconsistency. It's, isn't it a, a possibly just to play devil's advocate here and sure. really annoy the comment section? I mean, could it possibly be a, a, a product of, say, the time? Now everything's digitized. You know, you can't walk a meter, especially mm -hmm. in the UK, without uh, triggering some sort of CCTV. You know, everyone's got a smartphone. Back then, there was this really traumatic 
massive event mm-hmm. unfolding. And I, I imagine recollections won't be what they could be in that state. There's a lot of post hoc reasoning, maybe trying to piece things together after the fact. Yeah, yeah, maybe the timeline got mixed up. And this is what a lot of the conspiracies come out of, just general human error. I guess, but you do have things like the Zapruder film. An actual film of the incident, very helpful. Not only that film, but several other films. And that can be analyzed. Now, I, I would argue that there are people who are overanalyzing it, and this is where it gets difficult because there is nuance in there. I'm not saying, oh, it's this, it's this, it's this. There are some theories out there that are completely, we think, beyond the pale, like that the Secret Service driver really turned around and shot. We don't believe that. We don't believe in any of that. Um, we believe that there were multiple shooters. And by the way, this silver uh, magic bullet thing just leads credence to that. And we're arguing that they're they're pushing, they're moving the goalpost. It used to be Oswald did it. He was alone. There was nobody else, nothing else, nothing else was going on, period. Now they're saying Oswald was part of a conspiracy. So you see the shifting of the narrative here? It's a very important consideration. Why? Why wasn't it just him? And, and you mentioned the Warren Commission. The Warren Commission was in the 60s, right? There was a later commission, the um, House Commission of the Assassinations, I, I forgot the full name, and that was in 78. And they determined that, in fact, there was a conspiracy to, cons- to kill the president. This is not conspiracy theorists. This is actually Congress. This is a governmental decision, kind of like Operation Paperclip. That was a conspiracy theory, right? Well, no, it's true. The documents came forth. It's been through that. It's been through Congress. It's been through the House. I mean, I cannot get more expressive than to say these are facts on the ground that have actually been vetted through testimony and things like that in Congress. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, like I say, I, I, I fully accept shenanigans uh, for sure. I mean, let, you brought up the Zapruder film moments ago, mm-hmm. and that, that's fascinating to me, and that's 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 something. Uh, strangely and morbidly i've watched more times than i'd I'd care to admit uh and i think a lot of what people presume could be a secondary shooter as well is the fact that if you don't really know much about exit wounds and and things like that it it does look to the layman and it certainly looked to me when i first watched it that he was shot from the front um and that's so that you think he was shot from the front because that again Mm -hmm. i think that that contradicts the warren commission doesn't it? of course it does yes and 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 by the way i don't know if you get to the states Stephen, I hope you do. I really do. Go to Dealey Plaza. Physically being on site, it's startling. Because the picket fence area, you know, the grassy knoll, on the top of that is a picket fence. There's a mark on the road that shows the trajectory of the car. And the shot that would have come from that spot, I was in the Army. It's a chip shot. It is literally like less than 50 meters. The easiest shot that we could do in qualifying in the army for shooting. No scope this, needed, just boom. So compare this to say the the window of the Texas book suppository then, and that's presumably a much more difficult shot to make. Yes, that's that's a difficult one, but we think that that was the the kill shot. We think the first shot was actually from the overpass, which is a very difficult shot if you're standing up there looking. That went through the windshield which, by the way, has been proven. You, the windshield, the, there's pictures of the hole. There's testimony from multiple people, nurses, everybody else. That went through the windshield into his neck. 
So that was the first shot, or throat, sorry. Um, then you have from overhead, and we're, we're thinking it actually is not from the window of the sixth floor, but from the roof of the school book depository. And that would explain the angle, because remember, it went through Connolly's back, very high up, and then his leg. How do you, how do you that's a, a shot going like this. That's a pretty sharp angle. Sixth floor is a little bit closer to this. So, you know, if you go, there's a shot, he's ducking from above, it, things line up. So a lot of this is not just, oh, I don't like the way things go out. It's how, how is it possible that a shot would go the other way? You have testimony at the time. Um, one thing we were talking about, uh, Paul Landis, when he first testified, and this is very interesting, he stated that the shots were from the front. There's definitely shots from the front. But guess where he didn't testify? He said that in a statement, but guess who never asked him to testify? Go on. Your favorite Warren Commission. Why would you, as a Warren Commission, the ultimate fact finders, why would you spend hours talking to somebody, arguing with them about how they eat a chicken sandwich and have his bones in it, but you're not going to have a Secret Service agent on the scene, an actual eyewitness in the cars. Mm, they ain't no that. Snopes. They ain't no Snopes. That, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot going on there. And I suppose uh, it, it, it's the, the sort of multiple shooter theory. Is that also known as the triangulation theory? Or am I mixing things up here? Um, I, I don't know every uh, theory name. It, it could be. I mean, um, Roger Stone described it as a turkey shoot. Or actually, he didn't. He took it from somebody else. But, you know, there's like a turkey shoot. And, yeah, triangulation. There's multiple shooters different places. Darren, did I just say book suppository instead of depository? Is that what I might have said it, actually, which is very funny. I, I have struggled with that. Okay. <laughs> Let's just clear that up. Book um, depository. Anal knowledge is a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you, Darren. Appreciate your input. Uh, there for sure. Okay, so I mean, let's look at it in terms of uh, multiple shooters. Then, I mean, in, in your mind, what's the likely scenario here that they they were all, I mean, they were in cahoots with Lee Harvey Oswald because he's he doesn't didn't seem to have anything to lose by openly announcing collaborators and, and things like that, and he seems to have maintained his innocence up until well, the end. We actually don't think he did it. We think that he was being set up to do it. And, and, and the reason is, and part of the problem that this goes so deep is there were lookalikes of Oswald in Tampa and Chicago. And there are plots in Tampa, Chicago, and actually Miami as well. And you look at these people, they look kind of similar to him. There are things that are tied to him. And there's other factors too, like the guy, you know that he was in Minsk, right? Or Minsk? Yes. Okay. Everything about this guy's story, one, he was 24 years old, and he led more in his life in 24 years than I've ever seen. He was OCI, or ONI, sorry, Office of Naval Intelligence. So he's definitely tied in with that. Now, this guy, while he was in Minsk, they were fraudulently saying he was buying Jeeps in New Orleans. There are receipts from 1958. So I don't know how he was buying Jeeps in New Orleans while he was in Minsk. And who brought that up? Hoover did in conversations with LBJ. So th there's a, a ton of problems with it. I think that he actually was working with CIA, ONI as an agent. He seemed to be on both sides of the fence. 
One second, he's, uh, you know, fair play for Cuba. Next second, he's being interviewed as a Marxist. So w- what is it? Is he pro-Castro? Is he against Castro? He kind of was on both sides of the issue in every which way, and he seemed to pop up in all these weird places. Kind of like an agent? Yeah, I mean, he is a very strange character, and there's a lot of gaps, certainly in his biography. Um, moving it back to Paul Landis here, I mean, he's he's come out with this knowledge, and it, it seems to line up with yet another anniversary, which you just you've pointed out at the start mm-hmm. of the chat. I mean, what what's in it for him really at this late stage? I I, I presume he hasn't got a book to flog or something like that. I mean, why? No, yeah, he does. <laughs> oh, he does. Okay, book so... deal. That's a good oh. a guy who who um, his last job is being a security guard in a museum. A quarter million dollars might be a nice thing to leave, leave to your grandkids. And uh, I mean, as you've demonstrated at the start of this conversation, that that clip really is. And I want a better metaphor than a smoking gun, but I'm going to have to go with it. I'm afraid. Uh, I mean, that really does demonstrate that something like this has been proposed earlier from a different agent, and that's potentially where he's got it from himself. Yeah, I I don't know. The interesting thing is that the guy you heard talking, well, he's not around to contradict it because he happened to die earlier this year. When you say happened to die there, I uh, I detect a little something in your voice there. Is there anything you want to... No, well, everybody dies, dude. Everybody dies. <laughs> <laughs> not me. I, I made a deal. Uh, so ah, we, we're good. Uh, you, you are the godless spell checker. I, I'm actually 92. You wouldn't know it. Um Okay, so this Paul Landis fella not doesn't pass the sniff test for me. I, I don't think um, there's anything to this, and it seems like that on the face of it. But once again, this this really does testify to the the fascination people have with this story. That a no, almost a nothing claim from this guy is is major headline news, just not only globally, but in, I mean in the UK, it's you know, the BBC, uh, mm. one of you know the biggest broadcasters ran with it today, Sky News, things like that. So, I mean, what what is the fascination with the JFK assassination? They've been lying it? for 60 years. <laughs> I mean, no, it's like, if you get lied to enough, and I mean, look what happened with the, um, the Assassination Records Act. You know, they agreed. All the records are going to be released by X date, right? This goes all the way back to like 92 with the JFK movie. Well, Biden, over the summer, did the last document dump and, and released a statement saying, yep, I'm closing it up. We've released enough. So, I mean, the argument here, the official argument from the, the U.S. government would be um, protecting secrecy, wouldn't it? National security. Uh-huh, yeah, suppose. three and- generations later, I'm so concerned about you know, whom you're protecting. It, it, it gets to stretch credulity here a little bit. Who are you protecting? Why are you protecting? Are you are you telling me? Because the people who are researching this, Ruth Payne, who's involved, she's 92. This agent's 88. Um, the other agent I was talking about, Clint Hill, is in his 90s. Hmm. And th- these are only the, the trickle of people who are even still around. So who are you protecting? Why? Are you, are you confident you'll ever get this information at all? Because it seems to me the further away we get from it, uh, time-wise, uh, in the chronology, the, the less likely there's going to be some sort of revelation that might put things into better perspective? I think we'll come to some decent conclusions, but there are certain things like um, everybody bugs me, you know, bugs us about who who took the shots, who were the shooters. And we kind of push back saying, who cares? And, and, not, and not in that regard, but the shooters were tools. 
same way as you know a gun or whatever. The question is, who ordered it? Who was behind it? And I think that that's pretty well known that there's a few people behind it, one of whom became a president. And if you look at every assassination throughout history, just about anywhere in the world, who is usually behind it? If not the estranged spouse or lover, even more frequently, who is behind an assassination? Yeah, happy wife, happy life, ladies and gentlemen. Keep yeah. that keep that in mind. But maybe this is a good time just to suggest a few questions in the comments, Eric, if you've got any. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm really interested in this idea of who benefits here. So, I mean, who, who I was going to ask you, who would have benefited from, uh, you know, JFK being taken off the board at that time? Well, I don't know. One person became president. I mean, Occam's razor. If we really wanted to get very simplistic, who immediately benefited? LBJ. Now, was he 100% there? No, but he damn sure helped cover up. Damn sure was tied in with everything in Texas, helped run the state. He was so wired in in Texas and tied in with everybody involved there. Questionable. Who else is involved? Uh, let me see. The Dallas mayor, Cabell or Cabell. I don't know how you say it. Cabal. Cabal. Do you know who his brother was? No. Deputy director of the CIA who JFK fired. Okay. And we can go on. I'll go with another one. You like the Warren Commission, right? Now I know of it. Okay. Well, if you're going to have an independent commission that's going to investigate the death of a president, would you put on that commission the CIA director that that president fired? <laughs> Perhaps not. I'm just asking. I, I, I'm just saying. So this is this is all going on, and when you add all these together, it's like, well, they're anomalies. Oh my good God! You know, eventually flakes of snow become a snowball well, here. Isn't this the antithesis of Occam's razor? Because you're just producing more questions, which seems to be the opposite of that. So well, I always believed in what I dubbed the ironic razor, and I'm taking <laughs> it from Elon Musk. <laughs> and, Please. And... <laughs> ironic razor yes okay. that is whatever the outcome it'll truly be ironic i think that's fair enough uh that, that makes makes a lot of sense for sure now i mean i suppose uh, i mean being an american president is uh, the, probably one of the biggest security threats on the planet and it seems amazing to me given you know the amount of guns in the country and um the political tensions and you know the the political vitriol that we we see now online we've said you know culminating sort of capital riots things like that that somebody hasn't made an attempt on on a president or even been successful and i'm just wondering how, how difficult would it be to do something like that today in a way that raises just as many questions or, or carry out a conspiracy i suppose in a roundabout way what i'm trying to ask is in this digital age where mm -hmm. there's surveillance everywhere and we're, we're all we've all got supercomputers in our pockets basically with our cell phones would it be easier or harder for people to pull off a similar conspiracy i don't know um i think recently some cocaine miraculously appeared in the white house and nobody knows the source <laughs> right okay so <laughs> they're, they're 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 capable of protecting their interests when it serves. But you, I mean, you look at someone like Bill Clinton who couldn't even get get his jollies with uh, Monica Lewinsky without the world 
knowing. It seems like a, a lot of presidents well, have a she, lot of problems they can't get them away. Right. Now, there's two people involved. I mean, if he used the uh, Ben Franklin model, I guess, or if the Ben Franklin model was used, was it uh, two people can uh, keep a secret if one's dead? If one's dead, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, but that's that's one of the reasons I really struggle to uh, accept conspiracies, especially on such a grand scale, because somebody's going to snitch at some point or make a mistake. So I, well, I generally have a low opinion people, of human competence. Fair enough. But look at how many people are dead, number one. And number two, the interesting thing about conspiracy, and I'd love to go in depth. We should have, have it out on my channel yeah, sometime. Definitely. Seriously. But um, I think that most conspiracies are, in fact, cover-ups. As an example, I'm a shitty employee. I'm working, and you're my manager, right? And you're a branch manager, and I'm stealing money left and right out of the till. You fired. You just admitted it. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I, uh, but you're not going to press charges. Why? Because I've been doing it under your nose for six months. And your ass is going to hang out there, too, because you've helped lose thousands of dollars of the co company's money. Now, I'm just using this as an example. So you're probably going to just quietly try to say, get this sorry-ass employee out the door or somewhere else, just get him away and then cover it up because you're responsible. Now, take that at a grand scale where we have nine Secret Service agents who got completely bl you know, blitzed the night before. They were out till five in the morning and they lost their badges. Jesus. Oh, yeah. It's a fact. It, there's testimony, even in the Warren Commission. So I'm this, is just, this just plays into my together. human incompetence theory, though, surely. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. But you, you, you take that and then you take a separation of jobs and duties and things like that. I mean, people involved are running military operations. And a lot of these people were Vietnam, uh, not Vietnam, but um, World War II vets. So very hard-lined people who could accomplish a mission. Then you have another aspect. Consider this. What if they believed that a president who had a backdoor to the Soviet leader who was not working within his own government and ignoring every military and intelligence person about that relationship, what would they call that person when that other country is an enemy? just want to bring a quick comment in from Melissa Davis, and it's, I, it must be true because it's all in capitals. She suggested <laughs> that JFK was not killed with a bullet. Uh, how do you handle that? I don't know why Eric? she's yelling at us. Yeah, there's no need to shout, Melissa. If you could just just calmly rephrase that for us. I'd, I'd love to hear what you think he was he was killed with. That, that, that'd be something new, surely, wouldn't it, if it wasn't a bullet? But, Eric, it's been, uh, it's been great to catch up with you. Regardless you of where that. we differ, uh, you're clearly very knowledgeable and you, you take this seriously and you are clearly a critical a critical thinker when it comes to the details. So it's much appreciated. Uh, maybe you could let everyone know uh, where they can find more of your work. Uh, just my name, um, Eric Hunley. If you want to see me interview people, I got to have you on the show sometimes, Stephen, because I think we can hash it out and have a good time. That sounds uh, great. That's just normal interviews, whatever. I interviewed uh, Jeff Shoup today, who was the head of the American Nazi party, essentially, who has converted and, you know, he's on the other side talking about mindset and how to change minds and help people. Um, and then if you like this JFK, JFK stuff, I have only a fraction of the knowledge that my partner does. And all of the knowledge I have is from my partner's work over the years. And that's amazing.